Hi, and welcome to the Halftime Orange podcast with me, your host, Brenton Weber. Today, we're going to be talking to Matt Lee, the CEO of Oasis, and he's going to be sharing his journey through his career in aviation, and we're going to be discussing how he is revolutionizing the customer journey for travelers, both domestically and internationally. We hope you enjoy the show, and please listen in at the end for a special HTO podcast discount. Hello, and welcome to the Halftime Orange podcast with me, Brenton Weber. And today I'm speaking to Matt Lee, the CEO of Oasis. Um, Great to have you on the show, Matt. How are you today? I'm really well, thanks, Brenton. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to uh, having a chat with you. Me too. Um, I'm I'm really interested to for for me and the, the the listeners to understand your journey, how you began Oasis, and what your your long career in the airline industry in aviation. Yeah, well, it, it's it's longer than I would sort of like it to be. I'd like it to be a bit short because <laughs> it's aging. But um, yeah, I, I started off uh, originally did a, a science degree at university and, and ended up doing um, uh, programming. And uh, when I graduated, I just happened to get a job with an airline with the now um, defunct ANSET uh, here in Australia. And um, it, once you get into aviation, it sort of gets into your blood. And, and, and you know, here I am, however many years later. Um, 30 odd years later, still involved in aviation. So it's been a, been a great journey. It's taken me all around the world. I've worked in different countries, had great experiences. And I think that's really what led to where we are today um, and just finding something, you know, do, doing something different out of corporate life as, as a startup, but looking for something that was really going to change um, the, the customer journey and the customer experience, particularly at the airport. Mm. So, so tell us about Oasis because from what I've looked at on a very uh, basic level, it looks really interesting for me as a flying consumer. <laughs> yeah, what, what we identified was that um, the, the design of the airport experience, that the check-in and bag drop piece, it, 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 it hasn't really changed. So when commercial aviation uh, first began back in the sort of 1950s, um, airports were effectively old military um, installations. So you had a, a big hangar and a runway, um, and that's where commercial aviation started, particularly in the US. And um, so that's where the passenger experience was designed, you know, bring yourself and all your luggage, you know, and you probably had um, domestic help back then. You know, if you could afford to travel, you probably had people bringing your bags for you. So it wasn't, you know, the issue that it has has become, but the whole that paradigm of design hasn't changed. And if you look at the some of the airports that have opened most recently, and the, the, the example we always talk about is Istanbul in uh, in Turkey, which opened um, last year. You look at the design of the check-in, and apart from the technology, it's exactly the same as that 1950s military hangar. There's desks; people queue at the desk with their luggage. And um, they get processed one after the other. So technology's come along and helped out. So you've got self-serve kiosks and self-serve bag drops. But the fundamental um, paradigm of the bag and the customer having to present together at the airport hasn't changed. And that's what we don't like to use this word, but that's what we've disrupted. Because what we're saying is 
there's there's no reason why you have to be processed at the airport with with the technology we have today and with the capability that we now have. Um, we can check you in literally anywhere, and your bag. So take me through that. I'm. I've, I've, let's say you know we we were in COVID free New Zealand. We're we're currently <laughs> battling this second outbreak. Before we move on to that, how are you guys doing in New South Wales? Yeah, we well Australia's sort of got a, a number of different um, um, elements to it. So down in Victoria, they've they've had a sort of fairly major outbreak, and that's 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 really impacted um, um, travel tourism and particularly aviation. We were just starting to see um, a, re- a slow return of, of interstate travel, and um, unfortunately, this outbreak down in Victoria has meant that um, <clears throat> in Australia you've got uh, Brisbane, Sydney, Melbourne as what they call the Golden Triangle, and um, one arm of that is now um, unavailable to to other states. So that's Sydney, Melbourne is one of the I think it's the third busiest um, route in the world. Um, so it's that's really had a huge impact on both the, the airline groups here domestically and obviously internationally there's there's no travel at all. We're hoping to get over to, to New Zealand in the sort of not too distant future, but that that requires both parties to sort of yeah. what's going on. Yeah, what's the what's the media narrative over there? Because over here Jacinda is always getting like the hard time about when are we going to open the borders? When are we going to open the borders? And then in the next breath, it's how do we keep everybody safe? How do we stop this from getting in? And it's it's a pretty difficult um, balancing act there. How how far? Pretty pretty difficult to predict these things. But do you think New South Wales, assuming Victoria gets on top of its problems, are you well set to be getting COVID free in the next few months? Yeah, I. I... I'd, I'd say probably another few months before um, there's there's confidence. We, we I mean we don't have many restrictions at the moment, so I can get out and about. We're not having to wear masks. Um, they're they're um, preferred but not required. Um, pubs, restaurants, and places are open, but they have some limitations on on numbers and and um, same with cinemas and the like. So it's a fairly you know, normal-ish life here. Um, down in Victoria, it's, they're on a fairly significant lockdown. I think what pretty much like you guys went through, maybe not quite as extreme. Um, yeah, we, we went pretty hard within four. That There were four cases and we decided to just, right, that's it, Auckland. Where we'd, up until that point, we hadn't had any COVID. So we hadn't seen any COVID in the capital city. Uh, well, not the capital city, sorry, Wellington, in the biggest city um, that we've got. Um I do think that it's there's been a little bit of we thought that we'd done it, hey. There was I, I went I flew down to Queenstown a few weeks ago, and I can honestly say in not one of the restaurants or pubs or even the hotel that we stayed at, we were never asked to um, sanitize our hands. We didn't see one uh, mask around, so I think we thought that we had it licked. Yeah. Probably much like um, Melbourne may have may have thought that they had as well. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I think. It's interesting that the media, and I did note, I think, some comments you made on LinkedIn, but the media is looking to blame. They're looking for a, you know, they're looking to shoot somebody down. This stuff's unprecedented. I feel sorry for, you know, the politicians because they're damned if they do, damned if they don't. And I think, you know, I think Jacinda, from our view over here and the media we see, I think Jacinda's done a, and her government and advisors have done a great job. 
go hard, go early, you know, get it, get it sorted and then, you know, protect. And if you contrast that with Sweden or the US where it, it, they've either, you know, in Sweden's case, they made a, a conscious decision not to do anything. And in the US, what can you say? Um, you know, it's, it's horrendous, 175,000 death in the US. It's heartbreaking. I don't think us Kiwis and Aussies or many, most Aussies, I think Melbourne's probably getting a taste of it now, but most of us just haven't got a clue how tough it is in other countries. I, we, uh, me and my friends and my, co- and my colleagues, we're always talking about the media. And yeah, you'll, you'll have seen a few of my comments. I think at the moment, everybody should be pulling together as one. It's almost, so I, I liken it back to when my dad used to tell me about the Second World War. It was the both parties, it was a bipartisan approach. The criticism was held back until we had this enemy licked and that meant that the whole country could be united. I actually find the media to be quite tone deaf, actually, to what the majority of normal Kiwis are actually saying to each other as well, because we're not calling for um, her resignation like the media do at, um, at, the, at the media scrums. Interesting times. Your product surely must be better for a, a world where we have to be a little bit more careful about this social distancing and spending time in big crowded areas. Yeah, that, that's right. I mean, when, when all this happened, we, we just finished a, a three-month pilot with, with Air New Zealand actually in Queenstown and um, we're in discussions with them end of February, early March about, you know, where to next and, you know, it included, you know, a, a number of, of um, opportunities and, of course, this, this hit. So um, that was really disappointing. So at the time we were like, you know, a, a, a sort of startup business not many years into its um, – into its being, you know, not particularly cashed up. Um, this could be the end for us. So we've we've done a lot to sort of ride through this time. Um, but as the more we thought about it, and as we sort of planned the future, we figured that actually, with with social distancing and, and mass gathering challenges, um, what we offered actually not only was an enhanced sort of customer experience, it actually um, one of the you know positives of COVID situation was it you know uh, played into our hands because if, if you had travel or want to travel um and we can come to your house check you in take your bag you can really time um your arrival to the airport getting through security and and to the gate so you can minimize your time um in areas that are going to be more crowded you have to go on the air you have to board the aircraft um but all of that stuff up front and then at the back end, one of the things we're also um, um, focusing on is, is baggage deliveries. Tell me about the service that Oasis provide because I think we're kind of touching on all, all different bits of it. But, yeah, I'm, I was certainly fascinated when I started reading about it. Um, so, yeah, we'll look forward to hearing more. Yeah, so it, it's, it, it's the, the name stands for off-airport check-in solutions and what we provide is um, airline check-in and bag drop at locations other than the airport primarily. We can work at the airport and we've done some work um, on curbside over um, sort of peak periods like Christmas and New Year. Um, But predominantly what we do is we'll focus on homes, hotels, convention centres, schools, sporting clubs, etc. we do a lot of work. Well, we we used to do a lot of work here in Sydney with the the cruise ships coming into um, Sydney Harbour. Um, and the concept is, as I was saying earlier, that the, the design paradigm around airports was that the customer and their bag had to come to the airport to be processed. And um, what we've done is we've, we've 
disrupted that by saying, no, no, you have to go to the airport because you've got to get on an, on an aircraft, but the rest of the processing um, can be done off airport, and that includes international. So when, when we were in Queenstown, we were processing international flights. So we can do the visa checks, all the documentation checks, um, and the benefit of the, of the technology we're using um, uh, and that we partnered with a company called Armadeus um, is we have full access to the airline check-in system. So anything that can be done at the airport, we can do in your lounge room, in a hotel lobby, at a convention centre, in a school hall. So that includes things like um, we can collect your excess baggage fees, uh, we can collect your uh, seat change fees, we can move you on flights, we can change your seat. Uh, we can even sell tickets. We've sold tickets where people have got off a cruise, come up and said, oh, you know, we want to fly back to Brisbane, but we don't have a ticket yet. We said, great, we'll sell your ticket. Mm. Um, so you've got the capabilities of being an entire concierge service. That's exactly right, yeah. So the idea being that, um, you know, if you last day of your holiday, you might have a, a flight at, say, sort of 6 o'clock in, in the afternoon. Um, you have to get out of your hotel or your Airbnb 10, 10, 30, 11 o'clock. You've got the rest of the day. Let's say you're in Queenstown, beautiful city, you know, constrained airport. You don't want to have to get out to that airport. There's not a lot of retail outlets there and the ones that are are busy. You'd much rather be downtown by the lake enjoying uh, a pint of spates or something like that. Um, so... Come and see us, we'll check you in, take your bag, give you your boarding pass. Now all you need to do is just time uh, getting to the airport and, and straight through. So the, the idea being is we, we give you time back. So if it's in a leisure circumstance uh, at the end of your holiday, then you get a sort of bonus day. If it's for business, then you might get an extra sort of hour with your client that's billable or, you know, you might be able to take a meeting or um, when you check out of your hotel, instead of having your, your um uh, bag with you from client to client, you know, do you, is it, do you mind if I bring my suitcase in and pop it in the corner? It's all gone. You don't have to worry about it. And um, that's the freedom that we that we give you and the flexibility. It sounds brilliant. It sounds like you you really have solved the biggest pain point of, you know, that's what all the comedy shows used to um, focus on, wasn't it? It was lost baggage and um, yeah. all of the, the nozzle around that. It's only got worse with covid um, because I think the basics of customer expectations now is to feel safe and to make sure that companies are doing holding up their end of the bargain. This must be, to my mind, an absolute shoo-in for every airline. <laughs> How do I buy shares? <laughs> what is slowing it down? I think, look, there's a number of um, challenges I think we face. One is um, it really is... We've spoken to airline people who have been sort of relatively senior, um, who we we the penny just not clicked for them. You know they haven't seen the value, and I think and it's interesting we're talking about sort of customer experience. I think one of the challenges with bigger organisations is they really lose touch with their customer and yeah, the people definitely. the people running the customer departments. Um, that's one of the worst in my experience and, and I, I've worked for big organisations and you, particularly when you work for an airline, you don't really get the customer experience because um, you're not paying when you travel. Um, you typically might know someone at the airport or have access to the lounge and so you, you're when you travel, you don't get the experience that, that a, a fair-paying customer does and I think... 
that's one of the big challenges we're facing is that we haven't spoken to anybody about our business who said, that's a stupid idea, why would you do that? Everyone's like you, you know, why hasn't someone sold this sooner? Um, and so, you know, credit to the likes of Virgin Australia and Air New Zealand who have been, you know, uh, have, you know we've been pushing it at Open Door. They've, they've seen the value, they've seen the benefit to, to not just their customers but potentially their um, ancillary revenue streams as well. Um, so, you know, that's where we've we've made some good progress. We're, we're getting a lot of interest overseas at the moment. So we're talking to uh, a number of parties about the, the concept and you know, how they can um, work with us to sort of license our IP. Um, and so that's, you know, that's that's very heartening for us because when you're a startup, you know, you, you, you fund it yourself, you run on the smell of an oily rag, you, you're counting every dollar that comes in and goes out. So... It's it's great to see the hard work starting to be you know recognised, um, and the demand. I mean, now uh, are you familiar with the Net Promoter Score um, advocacy? I certainly am. Yeah. So we 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 over the course of um, two and a half years, our our NPS is steady at eighty two percent. So that's you know well classed by by any stretch of the imagination, and that that's just. Part of that is the novelty factor. We we recognise that we're new, and people think that people don't know about it, and then they they get a pleasant surprise. But also, the majority of it is you know people really get it. They particularly the cruise ship guests we have. They they come off and they're in the middle of you know, one of the world's best harbour cities. Um, they got mum, dad, grandma, the kids, and um, you know they don't want to go to the airport and sit around paying eight bucks for a cup of coffee. You know they want to they want to pay seven dollars in the city. They want to get around and have a look at, at Sydney, you know, pop across to the zoo or go to the, you know, go to uh, Darling Harbour to the um, aquarium or something. They want to make the most of that day. Um, and that's what we've been able to do. So we've we figure that these people that would otherwise have, you know, gone to the airport and sort of spent a few bucks on maybe a bit of lunch and um, coffee and now out actually doing touristy things and spending money in the city that they wouldn't have done before. So it's, you know, it's a win-win-win really, you know, the, the, the customer gets the benefit of that extra day, the local economy benefits because, you know, happy people are going to spend more money and the airlines and airports get the benefit because you don't have a whole lot of people sitting around doing nothing at the airport, clogging up space or going through and clogging up space. Um, you know, from an airport perspective, an airline perspective, you you if you could, you would have a, a Customers arrive just in time to board their flight. Yeah, right. So if there's a delay with you as part of the the ecosystem, those people can get the extra hours that they would have maybe only just found out about when they got to the airport with their baggage. That's right. So you're giving people time back, aren't you? Exactly right. Yeah, exactly right. And so in for our home service, you know, people who are time poor because of you know families or work commitments. Um, you know the ability to. Yeah, that's right. You know, and and as as your kids get older, and you you know you you try standing in a queue, you know, a check in bag drop queue with toddlers, it's a bloody nightmare. So, you know, what wouldn't you pay to just take that away and um, you know have have everyone checked in? You know, you, we can come to you first thing in the morning, send the kids to school for half a day, pick them up at lunchtime. You're all checked in. You've got no bags. Um, straight to the airport, bang done. So. Yeah, it's, it's about giving back time and just that flexibility that we offer. Mm. No, I love it. Why haven't I heard about it up until 
introducing ourselves to each other on LinkedIn. Is this, um, is it because I would tend to see it as part of a an overall customer journey or or is it just the fact that it hasn't reached my part of the world yet? Um, yeah, so we've, we've focused primarily on Australia. We, we did that pilot, as I said, in Queenstown with Air New Zealand and the plans were then to, to expand beyond there. So, you know, I would like to think if were it not for for this damn virus, um, you certainly would have heard of it and even uh, better would have used us. Um, mm. Is this aimed at, is this aimed at every, fl- every um, person who's flying or is this just for the Koru Lounge, New Zealand, you know, the, 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 the higher level flyers? Yeah, no, no, it's, it's, it's open to anybody. So um, uh, when we were at Queenstown, the, you know, we, we took the, 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 the frequent flyers, the high value frequent flyers right through to, you know, the one-off um, leisure makers and uh, Queenstown was great because you know there's a lot of um, biking, hiking, fishing, skiing, snowboarding. So yeah, a lot know, of unusual cargo. Yeah, people could come to us, and we we had a sort of fixed location just opposite the. Um, oh, I forgot which hotel it was now. That was a bit uh, on. That's <laughs> terrible. I should remember, but we had a fixed location, so people could come to us downtown and, and we had a lot of people bringing their mountain bikes and um or golf clubs and again if you if you've got stuff like that you, you you're just not going to lug it around the, the city with you you're going to just give up and go to the airport so yeah and, like, and no word of a lie it affects the the experience of everybody else in the airport as well we were as i said we were down there and we were only down there for a couple of days and um, my wife's got a bus knee so we weren't doing any snowboarding or skiing but there were so many people at the airport and they didn't really know necessarily where they had to go and they were they were trying to navigate the system themselves to with certain levels of success yeah that's right that's right yeah no it's it's it certainly you know simplifies life and when when we travel my business partner and I when we when we travel around and you know we have to um you know we can't if we can't use our service it's like such a pain in the neck, you know. Even if you've just got a, a carry-on bag, you know, when you're going to see a client, and you're sort of walking in with that little bag. It's it's just annoying. That's not it. Well, once you've used your service, I would imagine. I mean, customer experience is all about setting their expectations. And once you've very successfully got rid of one of those pain points, it's very hard to accept a customer journey where now that pain point is back to to bother us. What other what other places in the customer journey for those people who are looking to get to a destination, to see family and friends, to see, to go on business trips for all the reasons that people travel? What do you think the other big pain points, or are you, or is that a new, or are you keeping that news to yourself for for another great venture to to to, to solve one of those pain points? No, well, I think the other the other area we're looking at is is the baggage delivery at the end of the trip. So, as I was saying earlier, if we if we came to your house to check you in for that trip to uh, to Queenstown, we can get you checked in. Your boarding passes are done. Uh, if you you can use the airline app, even if you've checked in on the app, we can still um, take your bags for you. Um, so then you're now bag free. You go to the airport, proceed as you would normally. When you get to the other end, you arrive in Queenstown, you're off to a hotel or an Airbnb or even a friend's place. What we're proposing is that, you know, when you when you get there at the other end, you get off the aircraft, go straight out and get your rental car or your um, uh, your taxi, go straight off to your accommodation. And that be organised through you guys as well? 
Yeah, well, that's what we're looking at doing is being doing the baggage delivery so that, you know, you don't, the only time you touch your bags is at home, the start, and then at, at your destination. And again, for people who are on, on business trips, you know, they often travel first thing in the morning, they'll have a day of meetings and then they'll collapse back in the hotel at the end of the day. So if we can do the, the processing at each end, deliver the bag to the hotel, you get back to your hotel at the end of the day, there's your bag sitting there in, in the room ready for you and you haven't had to lug it around. So we, we're looking at that piece and there's a, there's a COVID element to that as well because, you know, one of the main areas of, you know, it's a, of um, uh, social distancing challenge is that the baggage carousel, you know, it's a scrum at the best time. Some of the worst human behaviours um, exi- are exhibited. Yeah, yeah, we get, we get back to our base animal levels at the, at the, at the carousel, <laughs> don't we? Oh, it's terrible. Um, so, yeah, so we've been speaking to a number of airports about that because they, they, they can see how they can solve some of their other social distancing challenges, but that baggage carousel, I mean, people don't pay attention to the rules at the best of times. So um, if you can move that away uh, completely or at least take out, you know, 50% of the people um, weren't there, uh, then you'd start to, you know, have a chance of, of keeping the distance up Um so that's sort of that's the other area we're looking at is is how we can sort of help out. With yeah. That. So so the question I have before, which, yeah, under, um, understanding that you're trying to get involved in that, you're you're extending into the delivery. What about the actual, um, the booking of the the cabs and the um, and the the hire cars? Because again, this these are all time areas that people have to go online and check, get some quotes, decide where they're going to. Making a decision is using up some of that valuable resource. So what other decisions other than the baggage association are you looking to to partner up with people to help delivering even more time to people? Yeah, well we've we've looked at um we've looked at with 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 the hotels and um with um say like a you know a ride share type option of <clears throat> how can we how can we partner with those people so that you know when you you when you you book your hotel. Um, you know, you, you, you're booking the the internet, the, the breakfast, and the whatever else it might be. And then one of the other options is sort of a, a checkout check-in concept. So check out from the hotel, check-in from your flight. So um, having that sort of as a uh, on the menu of options that's presented to you. And then with with the um, with the with the ride sharing sort of concept of you know um, one of the benefits we provide is is. Um, you can get ready early and get to the airport later at your convenience. So how do we how do we partner up so that having checked you in and taken your bag, um, as exactly as you say, then a vehicle is is part of that proposition that you know comes a couple of hours later to to pick you up and take you to the airport. Um, at the other end, we haven't thought so much at the other end as you're suggesting, but um, you know I guess it's a, it's a bit like the bags. If we're doing it at one end, there's no reason why you can't do it. Um, at, the, at the other end. Yeah, well. that's right. Because air travel is so, international air travel, and even to some extent domestic air travel, but not to the same extent, is um, is is the time that it takes. Like if I'm thinking of flying from here to New Plymouth, let's say, there's almost an argument that I could drive that in the same amount of time that it takes for me to leave my house and arrive at my destination. With all of the organising of Uber or, or taxis, I might get to a place and there is no Uber. Like Queenstown, by the way, if anybody's listening and they want to downsize, move to Queenstown and start an Uber practice. 
because we were there and I think there's about two or three Ubers and the rest of them is uh anyway uh, long I've got I've got a few tales the only the only bad part of my customer experience in Queenstown was the cab rides which seemed to be stuck on the international tourist dollar um, price where everybody else had reduced everybody down everything down to suit the domestic market but not not our cab ride but yeah i do i i can imagine uber being fascinated by what you're doing but anybody else that is trying to save time and deliver a, that's what the airlines must adopt what you're doing or similar because this is just such a game changer yeah we we i mean we figure you know we, our, our strategy is just to sort of do what we do as well as we can and, and, and grow either organically or by as opportunities present. And then we, we believe that, as you say, increasingly people who experience it are, are going to demand it. And, and that'll mean either, um, you know, competitors or the airlines themselves setting it up. We, we, you know, our, our intent is to be so well-placed that it naturally the business can, can come to us. And um, you, you talked about locked bags before. One of the things we pride ourselves on is, um, how well we look after the, the, the luggage that comes into our possession. So um, we've we've yet to lose a bag. How many bags have you have you ferried around from place to place? We've done sort of upwards of seventy thousand bags and people. So brilliant. You know we've yeah. I mean in, in airline terms, that's a small number. You know, but in, in but I mean I mean seventy thousand and not one lo- one piece of luggage lost. That is brilliant. Yeah. That, that's right. And we, I mean, one of the things we train into our staff and coming from the airline industry myself, you know, I know the importance of, of um, being able to, uh, you know, track the bag and identify where the bag is. So we, we, we do a few things. One is we, we operate in, in full view of, of the customer. So, you know, you've seen, you've seen or heard those horror stories of sitting on the aircraft, looking out the window, seeing your bag on the barrow, getting thrown 12 foot onto the belt and up into the there i've had that experience definitely had that experience we we had pains with our team to say you know that that you've got to understand imagine this is your bag you've got to take the best care of it possible and 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 avoid all of that so we we really focus on that and we focus on the importance of being able to, to track the bags and reconcile the bags and um to be one of the things air new zealand were really hot on with us was was um that aspect um, and um, we were able to demonstrate to them not just our, our record leading up to the pilot, but during the pilot, how well we were able to um, work with them to keep tabs on the bags and, and not lose the bags. So, um, yeah, really, that, that aspect's really, really, really important. The, the other thing we find, you're talking about the customer experience, is that the airport has become sort of quite sterile in some ways because everything is now self-service. And for a lot of people, that, that works really well. You know, frequent travellers, they're in and out. They might not have any, they might only have carry-on so they can, they can you know, navigate the airport really quickly. For a lot of people, older people, if you've got families, if you're not a frequent traveller, that it can be a bit intimidating and daunting coming up to those machines and, you know, trying to work out how to identify yourself, um, when the bag tag spits out, you know, even sticking a bag tag on, if you're not used to doing it, you know, can become a mess. And what we're finding is because we still uh, are human to human, we're getting 
it's a fantastic um, service opportunity. And the people that work with us, they, they actually, you know, service people love dealing with people. They don't love They do. With. They really do. Yeah. And so what 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 you get is our, our team are able to, you know, they're able to have a chat. You know, they talk about the holiday. They can entertain the kids and, and those sorts of things. So it becomes much more pleasurable. It's a chore because you've got to do it. But it becomes a bit more pleasurable because it's not intimidating because of the technology. You're not looking around thinking everyone else knows what to do and I don't or there's no one to help me. Um, so we, we, we try and personalise it as much as we can and, and we can do that because the, the presentation rate tends to be spread out a lot more of the customers. At, at airports, you get a, you get surges of, of people coming in. And so the customer service staff at the airport, you know, they become a bit immune to it all because they, they're just processing. They've got, to, they've got to process a queue. So it's a transaction rather than an interaction. Um, and we're able to flip that on its head. And it's, so, you know, it's a, it's a bit old-fashioned, but what you're getting is a, is a good service interaction with a human being and people love it you know a lot of people have said what we do at halftime orange it's quite old-fashioned because we do believe that every business unless you're artificial intelligence talking to other artificial intelligence you are a human to human business and it's difficult to get people out of that transactional mindset especially if they're part of a system if they if they can just see themselves as a cog in the system What's the difference with with your guys though? What is it? Is it messaging that they're getting? Are you guys very clear that this is all about the customer? What What do you think is the driving force apart from obviously good people? But what's the driving force to to keep those people focused on the customer? Uh, there's a couple of things. Again, taking learnings from the the big corporates I've worked for and the sort of the, the, the transformation and, and culture challenges that you have um we we've we work really hard on creating a really inclusive fun culture and and i always use this example when we when we started up in queenstown um we we worked with um, a local labor hire company because we we wanted to just recruit locally um and we were told by people at the airport and everyone we spoke to, you know, if you think you're going to need five people, you're going to have to recruit 15. It's very transient. Um, if somebody can get another extra 30 cents an hour, they'll they'll loop, drop you and head off to the, another employer. So we, we, we went in there with sort of quite concerned about the cost of, you know, turnover and training. Um, we didn't have a single person leave in the time. In that whole three months, uh, and we we paid about average. You know, we weren't paying um, above above the odds. Um, couldn't afford to. We paid what what we felt was fair. Um, but we just worked really hard on the culture. You know, having fun and and being inclusive and you know listening to people. Um, you know, giving them a chance to have input as well. So, you know, there's there's a set of rules and guidelines. You know, around the regulations, what you must do, and there's a set of guidelines around you know how we work, and it's important to follow process. But, you know, we went in there, my partner and I, and we, we set, set the shop up and said, you know, this is how it's going to work. And, and after a few days, you know, the guys come back and said, look, it's, it's not working, let's do it like this. And, you know, we could have easily said, listen, we're the experienced ones, just shut up and do it. And we said, you know what, you're actually in here working every day. We, we just had ideas, so go do it. And they went and did it. And, it, it, you know, it's all this stuff about leadership, it's it's – it's pretty basic at the end of the day. The problem is most people don't do it. 
you know, most people don't lead the way they would like to be led. Well, there's, there's this massive gap between perception and reality, isn't there? I mean, there's something like 80% of corporate training is spent on leadership training. And yet only 20% of employees believe that they're being led effectively. Whereas those, there's 80% of those 100% that believe that they are leading effectively. So somewhere there is a serious message break, isn't it? People are not getting it through. What What do you think it is? You've, you've had a big corporate background prior to Oasis. Um, what do you think the biggest problem with leadership is at the moment in the world, in the corporate world? I think we're actually in transition. I mean, I, I think... You know, the the boss is always right. The boss is the smartest person in the room. The boss is a man. You know, all, all that stuff is thankfully changing. Um, this this concept of sort of leading leading from the side rather than the front, you know, by or leading by supporting um, and, and breaking down this, the, the sort of the, the hierarchy that, that used to exist. Um, you know, I, my, my boss used to say to me, um, you know, you can't be mates. You can't be mates with your with your staff because you're going to have to give them hard messages from time to time. And I'm like, well, actually, it's easier. You know, if we all get on, it's easy. And they they respect. You know, as long as they respect me, that I'm doing the things that I need to do, then it's actually easier to have those conversations because you know they know it's coming from the right place. And one of my favourite stories, I, I I just joined Qantas um, in early 2010, and I was. Um, going around the airports, meeting the team, and I was up in far north Queensland somewhere. Oh, whereabouts? So I used to live up in Townsville. So uh... yeah, was, I think it was Townsville or Cairns. It was somewhere like, I can't remember which one. Now, but uh, uh, we went into we went down into the ramp, and I looked after, amongst other things, the airports. And um, we went and we were talking to all, all the ramp guys, you know, the baggage handlers. And you know, you typically you go into their lunchroom, which is in the bowels of the airport. You know, they've got the the, the soap daytime soap operas on and you know all their couches and everything and the last thing they want is a suit from head office coming in disturbing their um, days of our lives on the tele and so you know you'd go in and they'd sort of begrudgingly turn the sound down and sort of look out the window and everything and I, I remember you know getting there and do, giving my spiel and you know talking to them about how important costs were and blah 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 and, and this this guy who happened to be the union rep sort of when I finished he said. He said, you know what, Matt? He said, I've been here for 25 years. I reckon you're the 30th manager who's walked through that door and told me that same shit. They're all gone and I'm still here. So you know what? And, and I was about to go, and I said, you know what? He's right. He's right. Yeah, that's a good insight there. Yeah, I'm just another talking head from head office telling telling him to, you know, there'll be less overtime and we need to cut costs and, you know, He's outlasted all of them. So why why the hell would they believe me? You know. So that was a critical point for me to say. Well, do you know what? You know, it's that definition of insanity. Well, I can keep doing this and expect a different outcome, or I can actually do something different. And that that actually started um, what we call a movement, um, and and a, a culture movement. And we 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 use the concept of a movement because um, people opt into a movement they're drawn to a they volunteer they volunteer don't they exactly the 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 corporate training you know i call it smile training you know every three years put everyone through smile training you get a blip in your performance and that goes back to the same old same old because people haven't opted in you you 
It's typically aimed at the lowest common denominator, not the performing, not the people who are performing. It's typically saying all the things that people who wanted to perform have been saying but don't feel like they've been listened to. Uh, it just it's not authentic. So we just went then on this journey of of creating this this movement, which we called service culture. And um, it was then sort of built up, and we we built it from the from the bottom up. So we we got people in from all around the country, at front predominantly from um, frontline levels, and we just said, look, what what do we want to be? How do we want to be? How do we want to work together? And we had a big three day design session, and um, at the end of it, um, we we identified that we. You know, when we came away from this three days, something had to change, something symbolic had to happen, otherwise it was just the same bullshit that always happened. At that time, one of the big frustrations of the uh, check-in agents was that in order to um, approve excess baggage fees being waived, you had to get the approval of a supervisor. So what would happen is you'd turn up, you'd be there with the kids, you know, there was clearly... A, a legitimate case for you to say, listen, don't worry about it today. So um, I, I'm going to let you get through it. But in future, just understand, blah, 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 no problems. So you'd, you'd be saying, listen, do, you know, really? And they'd say, well, hang on, let me speak to my supervisor. The supervisor's running around doing all sorts of other things. Ten minutes later, they finally come over. I explain the situation. The supervisor, yeah, yeah, of course, of course. So you, instead of having a positive um, interaction, you've now had to wait. 10 More minutes time. to fight. Yep. As, as the agent, I'm like, well, you know, I just feel completely emasculated now because, you know, if, if I could have done it, why couldn't I do it? Do it. So that was a big issue. So we what we said was let's give back the permission to everybody to, to waive excess baggage. They'll still be accountable, but instead of having to call a supervisor over, we'll trust you to make the right decision. Um now, as you'll know, um, excess baggage revenue is a sort of big chunk of, of ancillary revenue for, for airlines, even full service airlines. So we, we, we changed the rule in the system to give everyone the, um, the right to waive it. Uh, didn't say anything internally, and we just held our breath. Yeah, wait for the <laughs> every, Yeah. Well, every Monday afternoon we'd get the weekly reports from the week before and we'd go through on-time performance mishandled bags, safety, etc., cetera, uh, and we'd, we'd go through um, revenue. And so we, we turned it on, we waited a week and didn't. nothing seemed to happen. It hadn't gone up, hadn't gone down. Uh, okay, well, it's only a week. And then the second week came and it actually went up. And what we found was that from that point forward, we actually ended up with a better revenue result because people – were empowered with the authority and they felt the accountability. So it's like, well, actually, if I, if I do waive this, um, I'll have to explain why. And, you know, there's no reason. There's, there's good reasons why you might choose to do it from a service perspective, um, but, you know, not wanting to because you're intimidated is, is not one of them. Um, so people, people really felt the accountability because they were given the responsibility. And it was, again, it was another one of these lessons for me that was just like, it's so bloody obvious. You know, where's the mystery in that? We've given, we've trusted people to make the right decision. 
If if you can't trust the people to make the right decision, then you've got the wrong people. But if you've got if you've chosen people that are supposed to be engaging well with your customer, then by removing the decisions to look after their customer, you're actually making their job a whole lot more difficult than it should be. That's exactly right. Exactly right. So it was it was you know again it's it was one of those um, you know case studies that. You know, you, I look back on it now and think, you know, it's so bloody obvious. But it's, you know, to your question earlier, what's going wrong? There's a there's a fear, I think, in corporations. You know, people are worried about, you know, am I going to hit my targets or what's going to happen? And so you you know, naturally you you want to take control, and by taking control um, away from people and, and holding it at higher levels, you're doing exactly the opposite of what you've just said. You, you're just proving that you don't trust your, your, your yeah, team. Yeah, exactly. And from the customer's perspective, it's just such a jarring moment as you move from person that's supposedly there to look after you to a supervisor. Yep. It's, um, it's, it's, uh, it's seen across the, the entire business world as well. well we, we, we've been talking to a lot of our clients recently about how you change the way that you look at your company from a from a from a from a um, a formation perspective, call it that. And looking at concentric circles, you've really you've really only got two types of people in the business. You've got people who are there to support the customer, and you've got there directly, or you've got people who are there to support the people who are there to support the customer. Everybody else, you find me a role in an organisation that doesn't fall within one of those two roles. And I'll show you at probably quite an old school non-customer centric company yeah. as well. Um, it works in employee, it works in employee experience as well. It's fact, you talked about human to human. I mean, we look at customer experience. I think it's the same ball as as employee experience. It's really about human experience. And if you've got um, jarring moments in the employee journey, i.e., making that sort of decision, then you're not going to get loyal advocates of your brand being built up over time they're just going to keep in that transactional space and they'll be looking for that 30 cents extra on the dollar that um they were talking to you about in queenstown yeah oh, the, 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 that's a classic example because you know i've worked for full service premium airlines so you know, it's it's all about the product and the service. It's about the lounges. It's about the quality of the fittings and the fixtures and the carpet and everything. And the amount of money that goes into the design and installation of those things. And then you go back a house to the staff room, and it's it's a mess. It's squalid. The holes in the carpet. The 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 kettle doesn't work, and the company won't replace it. And they're the people you're asking to go out and represent your brand. Like it's like, well, where's the love? It's again. It's, Really simple, really simple. You know, you don't have to put, you don't have to put the crystal in there, but make it, make it nice. You know, you don't have to spend a lot of money to, to create a nice environment for, for your people. So I bring it back. So I'm always talking with my clients about successful customer outcomes, and how if you focus on the successful customer outcomes, if you're delivering successful customer outcome after successful customer outcome, then your business outcomes are going to look after themselves. Your sales will look after themselves. And so if I'm looking at what's more important to me as a customer, walking through somewhere that looks like it's just been designed um, by a top-notch architect so that the brand feels great about where it's found, 
but I'm having a atrocious time with the baggage handlers or with the check-in person because they're feeling undervalued. What's which one of those is more valuable to me as a customer? I personally think it's your employee engagement is far more meaningful to me than whether or not you've got a beautiful logo. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, 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 one of the things that happens at airports is that if you've ever have had a missed bag, lost bag or something, and you, you've got to go to the, the baggage services department, which is normally, again, in the bowels somewhere or out of the way, you know, as inconvenient as it can be for the customer. Often the staff that work there are the ones who aren't, aren't the best or are troublemakers and they get sort of put out to Siberia, which is baggage services. And you, you think about it, every every person who comes to that desk has, is only there because there's a problem and the problem, it might not have been caused by your airline, it might have been upstream, but it doesn't matter, it's, it's in your problem. So you've got to put your best people there because you can turn that situation completely around and yet the whole mentality is, you know, oh, you're down to baggage services next week. It's, it's you know, <laughs> everywhere else, you know, you should be turning up and things are going okay. Baggage services, no, nah, something's gone wrong. So it's so interesting to say that because there's this stat that I've, I mean, I've even used it previously in my career working for CX um, software developers, and it is a third of people will lose, will leave a brand that they trust after a mistake or a, a problem, and I don't think that's true. I think a third of people will happily leave a brand that they love after a badly handled mistake or problem. It's not the mistake itself. It's not the problem. In fact, customer service, it's so important at all of those levels because it can save a really bad customer. Otherwise, a really terrible experience can be saved. And you see it. You talked about NPS before, and I have, I have mixed feelings about NPS for, for certain reasons. It's a valuable metric. But I think on its own, it's quite it's quite troublesome, especially when you've got certain NPS products out there that don't gather um, verbatim comment, comments, which is really where the gold is. Um, but they, you know, they 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 see on their word clouds time and again, customer service is in the positive word clouds and it's in the negative word clouds. It can be we had a terrible experience, but thank goodness for the great customer service. Or it can be, I had a great day until the muppet on customer service pissed me off. So it's so intrinsic to every part of the customer journey, I think. Yeah, yeah. And we, well, one of the things we, when, when we talk to airlines, one of the things we pitch our business um, model to them about is if you've had a delay and you've had to overnight customers, so you, you've, you've had a flight's been cancelled, it could be weather, you know, nothing to you know that you can control it could be engineering you know it doesn't matter you've now got a bunch of customers in a hotel somewhere against their um, choice overnighting having to then get processed the next morning and go back through the same uh, airport experience that they've already gone through once and not made them so what we've said to them is why don't you send us out to the hotel while everyone's having their um eggs and bacon, we can be checking them in, taking their bags, so that when they get to the airport, they just bypass everyone else's. Because typically if it's weather off, you've had a delay like that, the next morning is typically messy as well because you, you're catching up. You know, why put these people back into that mosh pit again? You know, they've, they've already had it once. 
do a bit of service recovery, make them feel a bit special. And to your point, they'll go back and say, oh, my God, you won't believe it. We got delayed overnight. It was a disaster. We you know, finally got our bags, got to the hotel. It was late. We were knackered up early. But actually, we got checked in at the hotel. They took our bag away. When we got to the airport, we just went straight to the straight through security to the gate, got on our aircraft. It was so easy. You know, they're going to go away raving about what's happened instead of complaining to everybody about how badly treated they yeah, are. Yeah, and I think you're far more likely to have advocates coming from that place where they've had a bad experience that has been suggested than not many people go around talking about the wonderful experiences they've had. Like we like to, we're four times more likely to talk about negative experiences. So actually, if you can put a positive experience into that negative experience, like that service, very all important service recovery that you talk about, then you ask you are, and you can also deliver proper ROI on that form of customer experience focus, which is so important. We're seeing a lot in New Zealand. I think most companies here we're still at the improvement stage of customer experience maturity. We're looking for places to improve as opposed to the next stage, once ROXI has been um, proven, um, the next stage is the transformation as you start thinking more like the customer instead of like the business. So how do people, uh, let's, let's, uh, let's hope that some CEOs of some major airlines are listening. I can't guarantee that. But if they were, how do they get in contact with you, Matt? What's the best way for them to reach out to you and Oasis? Yeah, probably the best way is to go to our website, which is www.oasis, which is O-A-C-I-S, as per the hat, .io, um, and they can contact us through there. Great. Um, they can find me on LinkedIn as well. That's, that's good. We had, a, we had a friend of yours on for our first episode, Clem Newton-Brown. It's funny, we've, we've actually got a bit of an aviation theme going through these first two <laughs> podcasts. Um, so hopefully we'll, we'll, we'll grab some attention. Um, but it just seems fascinating what's happening in aviation. Um, this is a little bit more, God, I'm going to get to experience this in the very near future. Um, but I wish you all the luck with Oasis. Um, thank you so much for taking your time and being on the show today as well. And, uh, yeah, thanks for being so interesting and telling us about Oasis and changing that customer journey. Absolute pleasure, Britain. Thanks for having me. No worries, mate. Good luck to you. Thank you. Stay safe. Thank you so much for listening to our show today. As a further thank you, we would like to offer you 30% off all of the courses on HDO Educate, our learning platform. All you need to do is go to the cart and put in the discount code HTOPODCAST30 and you will get 30% off your final cart. Thanks very much again and we look forward to speaking to you on the next podcast.